Okay. All right. Uh, okay. All right, folks. <laughs> we were supposed to be playing the theme music, but something else popped up instead of the theme music, so I'm just going to do without. Good morning, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, Christian Israelites, white nationalists, those people in the world who are concerned about the existence and preservation of the white race, especially the Israelites and the Caucasian Israelites of this world, welcome to Eurofolk Radio. This is Bloodlines, and this is September 27, 2020, and my co-host, as usual for this series, is Michael of Sweden, and this is uh, part four of the uh, Israelite origin of the Scandinavian people. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing very good. You know, very, very sunny and nice. It's like summer here. It's still this, what do you call it? Indian summer, I think you, you call it. We call it Brit summer, and it's still here. Right. Very nice weather outside, warm and, and but we now we have to, now instead of being outside, we need to do this for our brothers and sisters to realize their identity as Israelites. That Amen. is the important thing. Amen. Well, it's got to be global warming, Michael. <laughs> right? But what well, is... If, if I would say it would be cold, you probably said it, it, it's climate change. So yeah, right. You, they, they change the report depends on what's happening. So, right, Well, yeah. that's ridiculous. Climate change is whatever is happening now. <laughs> right? Very man says there's no chemtrails in, in Germany. Okay. So, uh, okay, Farmer asks, do Hungarians have Kushite blood in them as well as Shemite and Japhethite? What do they mostly comprise of from Noah's three sons? Uh, well, Pastor Steve and I did a show on this a long time ago. I think it was a two-part series on the origin of the Hungarians. And we pretty much concluded that the Hungarians were present at the Tower of Babel and that they uh, migrated north from that area into what is today known as Hungary. And they were one of the original peoples uh, at the Tower of Babel. And you know, their language, because Yahweh confused the languages, uh, is an offshoot. Their language is an offshoot from Babel. But they were more than likely Hamites, or as Farmer 188 uh, suggests, they, uh, they might have been Japhethite and Hamites because the Japhethites moved north. But Pastor Steve and I concluded they were most likely Hamites, okay? But they were definitely Aryans, absolutely Aryans. You can go to Hungary, Hungary today, and you will meet a lot of blonde-haired, blue-eyed people, okay? Uh, your comment about this, uh, Michael, since you're closer uh, to... <laughs> one comment I have on this Hungarians is that their language is, is very is different, is very different. And one relative, very close neighbor to me, Finland, they have the same, that's the same, what do you say, the same... Dialect? Yeah, that's the same language, what do you say, uh, from the same tree, the same, I mean, my, the Swedish, Norwegian, Danish, or, or Germanic. Yeah. But those are of another, of another uh, stem, another, uh, I don't remember the name right now for it, but they are related in that way. It's only it's in Finland and in Hungary, those languages are, otherwise right. they're... Yes, okay, yeah. And so we, we've been talking about the Finns as, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The word Finn may derive from Phoenicia, okay? Fen-fen, and uh, that does not mean, well, we know that the Phoenicians were, the, the, the sailors on the Phoenician ships were Israelites, because the Israelites were such great sailors. We've uh, Our people have always been the greatest sailors who ever existed, okay? And so uh, it was a cinch for them to, 
sail across the Mediterranean, up across the, what, uh, through the pillars of Gibraltar, up the European coast, uh, where they settled in Britain, Spain, Ireland, and of course, Scandinavia, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, in, in this series, we've been documenting the Israelite origin of the Scandinavians, which we'll get to momentarily. So, uh, but I just want to point to everybody that, to the fact that I just put up on the front page of Your Folk Radio a couple of videos, uh, I think really, really important about the Hebrew script and the Hebrew language being developed in Egypt uh, during the reign of Joseph, okay? So uh, Hebrew, as we've been telling you here at Eurofolk Radio, Hebrew was the original language, and Hebrew was the language spoken by Noah and his three sons, uh, you know, Japheth, Shem, and Ham. They had to have spoken the same language, and so therefore what the scholars call Hamito-Semitic, they have, well, they have actually changed it to Afro, <laughs> Afro-Hamitic, well, because they, they want to confuse you and pretend that uh, Hamitic uh, originated in Africa. No, it did not originate in Africa. It originated with Noah, and he learned it from Adam and Adam's descendants. So Hebrew is most definitely the original language of the world, and uh, it was broken up at Babel. Okay, so, but this was after, Babel occurred after the migrations of the Japhethites to the north, the Hamites to the southwest, and and the Shemites pretty much stayed in Mesopotamia, okay? Everything we know about the migrations of our people bears all this out, okay? Uh, Including the statuary showing that all all these areas were uh, dominated by white people. There's entire history, biblical history, okay? So anyway, this is, uh, the studies we're doing on this uh, just continue to verify that the Caucasian people are the Israelites of the Bible, all right? So anyway, so uh, uh, let's get into this, Michael. Uh, I think we left off, oh yeah, and the the reason I uh, I started all this is because the word Scythian, I just want to point out to everybody, and I should put the... uh, uh, link to this article in the chat room real quick. The word Scythian derives from the Hebrew word Sukkoth. Sukkoth is a Hebrew for tent. The Scythians were the Israelite tent dwellers who primarily occupied the, uh, it's, 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 I think it's the Sea of Azov, the, that sea on the east side of the Caucasus Mountains with the Black Sea, being the uh, sea on the west side of the Caucasus Mountains. And these are the ones who primar- they migrated north uh, to the same uh, paths that we were talking about in the first parts of this series, going into Europe uh, and landing in uh, the Baltic areas, going up the rivers of Europe, primarily the uh, Don River, the Volga, and uh, uh, the Dnieper, uh, most of these rivers being named by the tribe of Dan, <laughs> okay? So so this is where the word Scythian, it's a Hebrew word, more proof that the Scythians are Hebrews. That's what they called it. It's actually what outsiders called them. They looked at these Israelites and called them tent dwellers. And so Scythian actually means Israelite tent dweller. Over to you, Michael, your comment at this point. Yes, and... Uh... 
it's very interesting that you found that tw- tent dwellers and that's something that has to do with tabernacles because that is the to be out in tents so yeah that's something that's have been fallen all people and we migrated and was that also the case when when you did um when uh, you and America start to explore America, you would have your your wagons that would covered like tents. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the Israelites who uh, went uh, over the Caucasus Mountains, uh, when they were coming down, they built wagons, covered wagons, and began to migrate north and west in those covered wagons. Okay, so nothing new under the sun. <laughs> we are wagon builders, ship builders, okay, tent tent builders, and even Paul of Tarsus was a tent maker, okay? So our people have a, a tradition, and what, what do you need? Well, the canvas cloth, you need the, what, what you could call tents for sails on ships, right? So our people have been experts in uh, uh, creating canvas or other you know, uh, material uh, tents, sails, what have you, for millennia, for millennia. Okay. Have the Jews ever been known as tent makers, Michael? No, I don't think it is on as well as either. Because we look today then. I look, for example, in, in, in we have something very common in Sweden is we have something called, you know, the caravans that we have or the trailers that people do for when they are out on, on vacations. You have your, you put your caravan upon your car and then you drive along all your country. That yeah. is also something typical of, uh, we still have those, those yeah, caravans that we take with us. So okay. nothing has changed. And I believe that is only something that we, the Israelites, really like yeah. to do. Right. Do Jews enjoy camping? I have hard time. I've, I've never met a Jew at a campsite, at a campground. Never. Okay. They prefer to stay in their high rises in the big cities. The, the Jews are city dwellers exclusively, folks. They do not wander to their countryside where a spider might bite them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> folks, more proof that we are the Israelites and the Jews are imposters. Okay. So we left off, uh, and this is the reason we bring up this terminology is because the heading that we're going to start with is the Scythians in Scythia or Svityod. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Now what in the world does Svityod have to do with Scythia? I mean those two words sound completely different. Uh, We need an explanation Michael. Yeah I hope then I know that I think that um, both you and me can give a a short description of what that might mean because that is the that is the startup from the article that we left off last time right that is exactly the headings we have that is um, the Scythians in Scythia or Svitjord as you said and I can also just make a comment I did look for the um, the language as we spoke about the Finnish language it is called the Finno-Ugric languages and okay. if you look at the map how they are where they are concentrated. You see that there are there are trails of the migration from the Caucasus, that they are more to the east. They have you have okay Hungarians, but then also you have it to the east in in, in mm-hmm. Russia. And also you have of course in, in Finland and in the Karolina um, and also the what do you say the the um, They also have that language. And Estonia have it, so that's kind of it's, it shows the migration, how, how the language has been spread out. Right, yeah, yeah, and uh, and of course, uh, taking it back to the uh, division of languages at the Tower of Babel, would explains why our people have such varied languages. Okay, I mean because even Greek, <laughs> right? 
right? Greek sounds Greek to me. I mean, our, our languages among the Caucasian Adamic people are greatly varied. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not just dialects. I mean, there's tremendous variations in our languages. But we, when we trace the origins of all these people, they all come from the same place in Mesopotamia and Israel. Okay? Yeah. Right. So, uh, but now, what's the connection? Maybe this article will get into it between the words Scythian and Svityod, which uh, you know, from first glance, look totally different. Okay. So, all right, let's get into yeah. it. Okay. Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, this will give us some some prudence, some some more clarification on it. So, let's start off with the article by um, uh, Mikkel S. Krag. Uh, North Israelitish origins. Right. And um, I can start up. Uh, shortly after the ten tribes appeared south of the Caucasus, having lost their name, Israel, a new people appears on the northern side of the Caucasus in southern Russia, the Scythians. The Scythians and um, Cimmerians are called one and the same people by the Russian historian Boris. Uh, Piotrovsky from the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg. Okay, Skitians and, and Mr. Uh, excuse me, and Mr. Piotrovsky is probably a descendant of these people. Okay, back to you. Yeah, he must be. He yeah. must be. Mm-hmm. And Skitians may have been used as a name for several different tribes in the same area. Aha. Uh-huh. But yeah, tent dwellers. Yes, but okay. they still move into the Ukraine. And we're famous for supplying the Greeks with grain. Are the Jews agricultural people or are the Caucasians agricultural people? Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. we are the ones. Okay. We all, we all. I mean, the differences between Jews and Israelites are so obvious, it amazes me that anybody believes that lie. Back to you. And kind of interesting that, that they did supply the Greeks with grains because I guess the Greeks, they were, I guess they were. <laughs> Uh, Hama, they were Japhethites. They were Japhethites, to... that's correct. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and here we're supplying grains for them, and then Ukraine has also been regarded as the breadbasket of Europe. Right. So now here, uh, is... speak, yeah, speaking of languages again, so the differences between Greek, uh, the Nordic languages, and um, Russian, and Hungarian, wow, okay, I mean, how can you get much more different? But nevertheless, we can trace all of these languages back to their origin in Hebrew, including the Nordic runes, Michael. The Nordic runes are simply variations of Paleo-Hebrew. Back to you. Yes. So, let's continue here. Historians call the area of the Ukraine and southern Russia for Skitia. Oh, how about that? Yeah. The Nordic name was Svitjord. And Svitjord, the great of Snorri Sturlason, is identical with the Skitia of other European historians. You know what? Svitjord sounds like a brand of vodka. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Back to you. Yeah. Uh, Snorri's name for Sweden was simply Svitjord. Okay. As different from Svitjord the Great, the homeland. Today, the Icelandic names for Sweden is Svitjord. In uh, uh, Atland eller uh, Mannheim, Olof Rudbeck uses the heading of a chapter. 
on the name of Sweden, Skitja. Well, there you go. Yes, Skitja. George, George um, Stanheim, the most learned man of the 7th century Sweden, simply called the Swedish language for Skitja. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay. Again, uh, our origin in, well, Acer, Assyria, Asher. Again, these linguistic connections cannot be ignored, but the whole world of academia totally ignores all of these lingui- linguistic and migrational connections. All right? They just believe the Jewish lie that they're Israel and uh, you know, just take their word for it without any scholarly backup whatsoever. Back to you. Yes, so then you see that that the great, um, what do you say, Sweet Jew the Great, that must have then stemmed from the Caucasus down in the south, in the, as I said, north of Caucasus, Ukraine, right. up, up right. to all to Sweden. Oh, uh, sorry, I have to interrupt again because Bavaria man, he's making a joke in the chat room, but the joke may, may have some validity. He says that Svitjan looks so, so, like Sweet Jew. Okay, so there could be a connection to Judah there, Svitjod, Judah, as the, the uh, what are you, the Jutland Peninsula. Okay, here again, we're talking about variations in dialect. Back to you. Yeah, they could, uh, yeah, because um, the name maybe could apply that um, has to do with Judah as well. But right. I guess the Skitians, could they be regarded as, yeah, they were regarded as one of the, what do you say, the migrations that did happen from the Caucasus. Right. Then we have other migrations as well that comes right. up. So this, That's right. this is the migrations of, well, I I believe in my, that it might be in the, the three northern tribes migration. So they lost their name Israel and yeah. they were called Skitians yeah. and they right. ended up here, up in the Scandinavians. Yeah. But Skitian is just like the word Cimmerian or... Uh... Kumru is a general term applied to many tribes, okay? And uh, Kumerioi in the Greek means the kingdom of Amri, and so the Kumerians were the Israelites under Amri who migrated west, okay? So that's the origin of the word Kumerioi, and uh, so here the origin of the word Scythian is in the Hebrew word sukkoth, and it means tent dwellers. And all of these Israelites that migrated north from that area that uh, this article tells us they came from, Scythia, uh, are Israelites. Okay? Yes, it is. Yeah. And they're not, they haven't been uh, absorbed by other races, at least not yet. <laughs> all right, back to you, Michael. Well, we, we know that it won't happen anyway, yeah, because yeah. we have, that's the promise in the Bible. Well, mm-hmm. the, the remnant will be kept. Okay. Yes. So, now we have a new heading here, and that is the kingdom of Judah. Okay, speaking so, of Judah, Yod, um, sweet, Yod, sweet Jews, I mean sweet Judahites, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, now there's a good name for vodka, <laughs> a brand of vodka, that's sweet, <laughs> a sweaty Jew, there you go, all right, please, please continue. Yeah, horrible hangovers. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> okay. Let's continue then. Um, the ten tribes of Israel were definitely deported in 721 BC, away from the land of Canaan, and remaining 
where only the two tribes of Judah, consisting of the large Judah and the small Benjamin. The house of Judah, these two tribes, carry on the sins of the ten tribes, and already in, in seven, 701 BC, Assyria attacks the kingdom of Judah. The Assyrian king Sanchereb writes in a uh, cuneiform tablet that he deported 200,000 and 150,000 far away. Mm-hmm. These 250,000 Judahites of the tribe of Judah never returned to Canaan and are therefore still in in existence among the ten tribes. Yeah, they are. They, they became known as the Parthians. Okay, we'll we'll get to that eventually. All right, back to you. Ah, they are the Parthians. Yes. Okay, interesting. So there we have identified the Parthians. Um, the following great great power is Babylon. In the year 604 BC, um, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, definitely um, terminates the kingdom of Judah when he captures Jerusalem in the year 587 BC. Nebuchadnezzar then deports the two tribes of Judah into Babylon. Here, the Judahites of the house of Judah are, for the very first time in Bible, referred to as no to Judahites still. I don't know why he used this, this term there. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's a Swede. <laughs> right. well, we'll talk about this. So many of our people still believe that the Jews are Judah. You know, we know better. Yeah, we yeah. can maybe do some, some corrections in his in yeah. his article and send it back to him. And say, there you hey, go. Wait, yeah. article, but you have mistaken this. This is a big right. mistake you're doing here. Exactly. Yes. After uh, the 70 years of exile in Babylon, uh, 49,697 of the Judah, of these Judahites, now known as Judahites still, returned yes, to yeah. Canaan. Exactly. He's, he's using Judahite and Jew as synonyms, and they're not. The Jews derive from Edom, not from Israel. Okay, If anybody is still confused on that point, the Jews do not derive from Judah, they derive from Edom. They were just called Judeans well, because they lived contemporaneously with the Judahites in Judea during the days of Christ and about 100 years before as well. Okay, But with the destruction of the temple, the true Judahites became Christians and migrated north toward actually the same area, south of the Caucasus. Where from which they migrated into Europe to join their kinsmen who were already in Europe. The Jews, on the other hand, migrated straight west, uh, landing in places such as Sicily and uh, migrating across the northern face of um, Africa and winding up eventually in Spain. So these are the so-called Spanish Jews. Okay, back to you. Then the question I have here, because we know we have identified the, the Parthians as the one that was um, deported, uh, mm-hmm. the 200,000 Judahites that was deported. Yes. But then, those 49,697 that returns to Judahites, in what migrations do they appear in the European continent? Okay. Are they then the Germanic or the last? Who, who, when is this migration taking okay. place then? Well, or are the, they left yeah. down in... In um, in, um, in, Jer- in 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 Jerusalem, or when yes. does those people come up? Okay, well, he doesn't talk about it, but this, well, yeah, the, this the ba- this is the Babylonian captivity, 
okay? And those 50,000, I'll just round and figure out, those 50,000 Judahites, and he uses the correct term here, these Judahites, no, they weren't known as Jews. That is incorrect. The word Jew did not even enter the English language until around 1500 A.D. They were known as Judah, not as Jews, okay? Just because the word Jew appears in your Old Testament doesn't mean that's the language that was used, being used out. It's a translation, folks, and that translation is bad, okay? So they did return to Canaan, and the proof that these people were very much exclusive, non-miscegenating Judahites is contained in Ezra and Nehemiah because the first thing that the, those two priests, king priests, that's what they were, they were king priests, did was they expelled all of the leaders of Judah who had taken foreign wives and said, if you don't get rid of your foreign wives, you cannot be considered an Israelite, get lost. Okay? Now, what does Judaism teach, folks? Judaism teaches amalgamation, which should prove to you that Judaism is not the law of Moses. Back to you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, um, they, te- they preach everything opposite yes, of the Bible. Yes, exactly. So what should we expect? Yep. Okay, so, but those 50,000 then... When did they show up? I, I don't know if I got the answer on that. When did they show up in the European continent? Did they? Oh, yeah, I know okay. as you told this that they, they had to expel the foreign wives, the one that did. Yeah, they were right. still oh, okay. the Judites, All right. and they also okay. rebuilt the temple. But then when did they come up to Europe, or did they never come up to Europe? No, the, those who stayed in well, I, I think I mentioned earlier, those Judahites who converted to Christianity they, uh, after... You know, this was when Titus invaded uh, Israel, Judea, and destroyed the temple. And those Israelites who uh, understood that uh, Yahshua was the Messiah, they migrated. First, they went up to, um, I can't think of the name of the town, but uh, they primarily migrated up to Mesopotamia to join their kinsmen. Okay? They probably, uh, but most of those of Judah stayed in Mesopotamia and created the Parthian kingdom. Okay? That, that's how that worked out. But it's a very important question because these Judahites were horribly flummoxed by the Pharisees. And many of them joined the Pharisees in rejecting Yahshua. And the proof of that is contained in the book of Acts, where Peter accuses them of participating in the execution of Christ. And it says they were cut to the heart. Yes. Okay. And now, that's only a reaction of a Judahite would have that. Right. Now, would an Edomite have such a reaction? No. No. Because they rejected him totally, and because they weren't of the same species as us, okay? But uh, nevertheless, the house of Judah had to return to Palestine because the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah had to be fulfilled in that territory. But after the breakup of the kingdom of Judea, which was administered by Edomites, not by Judahites, Herod was an Edomite, then the scattering of the 12 tribes was complete. And then since the Parthians picked up a language called Farsi, which is uh, still spoken in Iran to this day, they, and that Farsi is very much like German. 
So German is the language of the Parthians. Back to you. Yes, and another question. We see here that those, I say, also 50,000 Judites, and then how many of them could have been Benjamites? Because here oh, he sure. lumped them together. Yes. So they have to be some Benjamites as well. Exactly. Well, because the Galilee was uh, populated by Benjamites almost exclusively. So uh, they maintained their separate uh, tribal identity. And uh, for, I, I guess the reason the Benjamites uh, settled north of Galilee, I'm sorry, uh, Samaria, was because there were, st there were just too many non-Israelites in Samaria because the Assyrians had put all these non-Israelite people in there, okay? So, uh, for whatever reason, the Benjamites migrated north of Samaria and settled in Galilee, to, and, uh, but maintained their connection with the house of Judah throughout. Okay, back to you. Yeah, yeah, because those 50,000 that we read about here, they are the ones that will also then, uh, it's, I guess, from those, these uh, bloodlines, that is where Jesus Christ will come from, one of those 50,000 right. here. They are yeah. the, the one that did see Jesus Christ when he was walked on earth, and then they, yeah, as you said, then they, I guess, were they also the parts of the Maccabees that, uh, for, that had struggled against the Greeks, yeah. against well, Alexander? Yeah, well, throughout the uh, entire history of the House of Judah, the Benjamites and Judahites must have kept a separate tribal identity, okay, because it still existed in the days of Christ, okay, and to some extent it still exists today, okay, because we find Benjamin in Iceland and Russia, uh, what's his name, Rus, Rus, or Rosh rather, Rosh was a grandson of Benjamin, and the, the, the sea wolves, the sea wolves, are Benjamites, because the wolf, the wolf is the sign of Benjamin, okay? So again, our heraldry, our dialects, our migrational patterns, the fact that we, we carry the gospel to the world, not the Jews, all proves that we're Israelites. Okay. Yes, just want to make that very clear. That, okay. That's the that is the that is the key that you need to have in the Bible. That's the first key. When you have that key, everything will be locked up. Yes. They will. Okay. Then let's continue here. Here we have a, a quote from Flavius Josephus, a Judite, where it said, "Wherefore, there are but two tribes in Asia and Europe subjects to the Romans." Oh, yes. While uh, ten tribes are beyond Euphrates till now, and are immense multitude, and not to be estimated by numbers, now this is mm -hmm. here is the, that they have have migrated away. They That's right. and they still exist. Yeah, and it's proof also that the migrating Israelites, those who had migrated, the dispersed Israelites, were still in touch with the kingdom of Judah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he quotes it here from, um, the, I think it's uh, Maccabees, from the book of Maccabees, that uh, there was correspondence going on between the dispersed Israelites, many of whom were Judites, okay, back to Judea, to the house of Judah. And it's, the proof of this is in the New Testament, even the Pharisees understood that the dispersed Israelites were a subject to Yahshua Messiah where I think it's John 7.35, where they say, well, uh, uh, who's this guy talking about? He says, I have another flock not in this place. And, and they ask um, among themselves, who the hell is he talking about? 
Could it be he's talking about the dispersed <laughs> Israelites? Okay. And then you go to the first, very first line of the epistle of James, which is addressed to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered abroad. So he said all 12 tribes were scattered abroad. They knew it. James knew it. All the apostles knew it. Jesus knew it. And even the Pharisees knew it. But today's dumbed-down Judeo-Christians don't know it. Back to you, Michael. Are you okay? Are you there? Yeah, sorry. I was oh, mute. okay. Yeah. <laughs> they still believe the lie that you can be a, that everybody can be an Israelite. You have yeah, to just right. be born again. <laughs> right. Yeah, they trace them all the way from the, the, the heart of darkest Africa, the black Hebrew Israelites, right? Oh, yeah. God, talk about confusion. All right, back to you. Yeah, and every time they, they put up this born again, they're all, always quoting Nicodemus' wrong assumption. They never quote what Jesus said. They mm -hmm. only quote what Nicodemus said. Right, yeah. Yeah, and Yahshua corrected him. So, no, no, it means born from above. It doesn't mean born again. Yeah, okay. Again, yeah. Yeah. so and this is incredible how the Judeo-Christian theologians pick up on mistakes and don't never correct their mistakes, right? And in turn, make a whole new theology out of the mistake, all right? This is why modern Christianity is really an abomination, it's a complete abomination, and we in identity are the only ones preserving our actual traditions. Nobody else in the world is. Back to you. Yes, and we identify the Judeo-Christians as the lukewarm, the one that he will give out. Yeah, amen. They are okay. the lukewarm, and then we have the cold one, you know, the atheist, and the, maybe the na white nationalists that still believe, oh, I believe in Odin, yeah, yes. you cold. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Odin, was a, he himself was hot, okay? Uh, he knew that he was an Israelite, but uh, the modern uh, Norse pagans don't know that, that he was an Israelite, probably descended from Judah, more than likely descended from Judah, because the 12 tribes typically would ask for a Judahite to rule over them because they knew that the tribe of Judah was the uh, you know, kingly tribe. Okay, uh, but uh, these Norse pagans don't know that they're Israelites. They don't know the history of Israel. They they simply believe the Jewish assertion that they're Israelites, and therefore the Bible's a Jewish book, and therefore Jesus was a Jew. That's that's how they think. They don't realize that they have been utterly deceived on all three points by the Jews themselves. Okay. Yeah, they don't correct their mistake as well. They have their their dogma, and that dogma is make yeah. them feel, oh, I'm rebellious to them. The, the Jewish uh, overlord so now I'm doing this. Well, you're not. You're 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 doing exactly what they want you to do. You are rejecting your Messiah. Are you saying that these Norse pagans are like Judeo Christians? I don't <laughs> believe they are like that bad. They're not lukewarm. They're not. They're not taking some of the. You yeah. know, they're not lukewarm. I believe they are the cold ones. They're because cold. They would, I believe, do a, try to argue with Jesus when he comes back. And say, yeah, oh, there I you go. This. And they would argue. And then, okay. yeah, but then he will correct them, of course. Yes. But it's interesting that Yahshua says, I would rather that you be cold or hot. Okay? Which I would say it's probably easier for us <clears throat> to reason with the uh, cold Norse pagans than to with the lukewarm church. The lukewarm church is just really uh, settled in their delusion 
absolutely deluded about you know everything everything not just the bible but you know they actually have sympathy for black lives matter and antifa who are nothing but thugs terrorist thugs okay however that's beginning to change sympathy among white people for black lives matter and antifa which and that sympathy was created by the kosher press is beginning to wane. Why? Because a lot of these white people are losing their homes, businesses, and incomes due to the terrorism of Black Lives Matter and Antifa, which I have shortened into Black Tifa, because they're virtually the same organization. And white people are waking up slowly, very slowly. Back to you. Yeah, I would agree with you. That to, to argue with um, a lukewarm Judeo uh, Christian is, I guess, harder than with a cold one because the, right. they they would still argue. They believe they know everything. They know they think they know everything already. So you can't learn them anything new. Yes. Then it's very hard, I think. All right. Very good. But okay, let's continue. After our, okay, uh, the climax of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, is the crucifixion of Jesus. By the faith of the sinner that Jesus on the cross was the Son of God, um, who sacrificed himself in the place of the sinner. Salvation is possible. The sacred name Jesus means the Lord saves. The positions of each of the twelve tribes of Israel is pertaining to the crucifixion is a key that can make that book understandable for the many to whom it is a clo closed book. Yeah, for many of them, they are closed books because it doesn't understand it. It doesn't have the key. That's the problem. If, if you don't have the key, it's closed. Mm -hmm. um, at the crucifixion, the 12 crowds of Israel was divided into three groups. The tribe of Judah in Judea, the tribes of Benjamin in Galilee, the 10 tribes in Europe. So this is the... So here we see... Uh, but then now, uh, part, the Parthian Empire are they then? They must be then the one consisting of the tribes of Judah in Judea, or because the Parthians were never in Judea, really, weren't they? More to the, weren't they more? I don't know where the location was exactly, but weren't they also more to more Iran, maybe? I, yes, I'm, yes. I'm guessing. Yeah, in uh, northeast Mesopotamia, yeah, which would include Iran, and uh, but because see, the Scythian Israelites, the twelve tribes, were already up there. Okay, but when the house of Judah the was dispersed uh, right at around 70 A.D., and it's quite possible that many uh, Judahites migrated, and they did migrate with the other uh, other 12 tribes into that because that, that's the Sea of Azov, as we were saying, yeah, the sea on the uh, east side of the Caucasus Mountains. So, and that's the area that became Parthia. So the Scythians were already Israelites living up there, and then the Judahites migrating later would have had to choose their leaders from the house of Judah, okay, uh, because they understood that Judah was the kingly tribe, and, 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 and we have proof of all this because the, the so-called wise men, and it doesn't say, the scripture does not say three wise men, I don't know where to get this from, the, there's no such indication that there are only three wise men. They were Parthians. They sent an army. <laughs> they sent an army of Parthian, that is, Scythian Israelites led by Judahites down to uh, Judea because they had heard that our Messiah had come. That's the only reason they went down there, okay? It was just proof that they're Israelites. 
They understood yes. the problem. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. And wasn't that also possible by the truce that was between the Romans and the Parthians? Otherwise, yeah. that would never have been possible. Right. And is it all referenced in the Bible that uh, uh, that Edomite king, now I lost his name, yes, uh, Herod, Herod, he yes. was shaking when yes. he was with... He, that's the reference in the Bible. He was shaking for those Parthians when they were coming. He wouldn't shake about three people. Come on. That's right. He was an army right. because he thought it was an invasion that was coming. Right, and because the Romans were not there to protect him, and he feared the Parthians. Whether he knew that the Parthians were Israelites, I'm not sure. He probably did, but uh, he, he knew that he didn't have Roman help because of the truce. Okay, so, <laughs> so yeah, Herod, and that's more proof that Herod was not an Israelite. He was an Edomite Jew. Okay, back to you. Yes, okay, so here we have briefly... Uh, Judah crucified Jesus. Uh, no, they, he, well, probably some of them helped him, but I guess That's it was right. the Edomite Jews uh, that did it. Okay, but yeah, he, well, because he does not make a distinction between Jews and Judahites, uh, I don't, I don't think he realizes that the Pharisees, who were the who were the instigators of the crucifixion, were primarily Edomites put in place by Herod. Okay, so since he does not distinguish between Judeans and Judahites, he mixes the two groups up, and that's where the confusion comes from. Okay, back to you. Yeah, that, that he, if he could have done a more um, distinguished, because we have done that discussion before in Judea, there was living both Judahites and Edomites, Edomites in the same place. That's and right. This we have done before in previous shows. So he needs, I guess, that would make it easier right. to understand this one yeah. okay number two then is benjamin followed jesus and fled as disciples and apostles to tell the ten lost tribes in europe of christ yes and and the ten tribes in europe became christians yes yes and ultimately we could say all 12 tribes because benjamin and judah were part of the parthian empire and benjamin uh you know they like i said they became the sea wolves and the Icelanders, and probably uh, settled in Russia as well. So all 12 tribes settled in Europe eventually. But the Judahite tribe, because they had set up shop in Parthia, stayed in Mesopotamia far longer. Because you know, you're already talking Parthia didn't even develop until after the migration through the Caucasus which I placed in 745 B.C., not 721 B.C. It started in 745. So the ten tribes, and there were Judahites among them as well, uh, but it was mainly the ten tribes, uh, went into Europe, be, uh, began creating the European nation-states, and then the last tribe to follow through was the Parthians, which comp the Germans, uh, who were comprised mainly of Judah and Benjamin. Back to you. Yes. And we can also hear, because of those that did come, those the disciples that were um, supposed to evangelize them, because I think, was it one or two shows ago, Eli, you, you mentioned that Andrew was the one who was, was um, uh, assigned to uh, Scythia. Right. And it's kind of interesting, because the name that is very, very common in, in Sweden, Denmark, and Norway, you have here in the next sentence, you read the word Anna. And same with Andes, we have those kind of names that is, comes from Andrew and are very, very, uh, they are very commonly used mm -hmm. up in the Nordic, Nordic. Yes. So I guess that is additional proof that 
about that. Just want to get that comment. Yes, very good. Very good. And also the, the names chosen by the 10 northern tribes in Europe also reflect their pagan origins or the, the paganism they brought with them from uh, the, the 10 northern tribes, okay, under under uh, Omri and other kings, right? Uh, who, who was the king? Ahab. Ahab, Omri, and others who uh, adopted paganism and these 10 northern tribes carried their paganism with them. So, uh, so very often you have names like Bela, right? Baal, reflective of the name Baal. They, uh, they carried with them their worship of the Christmas tree, right? Their uh, orgies in the groves, okay? That's where all of this stuff originated in the, among the 10 northern tribes and was carried into Europe by them. Okay, back to you. Yeah, as you said, this this name we have a name in, I guess here in Sweden that is called what do you say, Balder. That is the same, and that uh, that clicked in me when you said that. I think last time. Oh yeah, well there I have it. So it's the same here as well. Yeah. This, uh, this yeah, ba- Baal Baal name that referred to those old pagan practices. Yeah, Balder is nothing but a you know ver- version of Baal, or Baal, which is its Hebrew pronunciation, and uh, they carried it with them. Okay, uh, and Balder, I, th- I believe, is actually a pagan feast of some kind, if I'm not mistaken. All right, back to you. Yeah, it can be. It's, uh, uh, but yeah, you have you have this, and same with. I mean, we have uh, harped on this, I guess, with the pork. This is also something that's been brought in, and they ha- have it everything. And oh, they they think there's something very central in the European continent to eat this pork all the time. And that is also one of the pagan practices put up to eating the pork, because probably that was what they found out in the in their wilderness. So they, they ate pork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They probably picked that up from the, the Greeks. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, that Alexander the Great, because it wasn't that something that he did. He had his, his altars, and then he sacrificed pigs on the altars. Right? And he made the, the Maccabees very furious. That's right. That's right. By the way, let me just interject here. Nimble Horse put in uh, an item from Wikipedia, Sumerian language. Sumerian is the language of ancient Sumer, a language uh, isolate was spoken in Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq. During the third millennium BC, an intimate cultural symbiosis developed between the Sumerians and Semitic-speaking Akkadians, which included widespread bilingualism. This is something, this bilingualism has been ignored by most linguists, that a lot of these cultures, ancient cultures, spoke two different, and sometimes more, just as we do today, you know. You speak Swedish, I speak English, and I speak a lot of German too. So our people have always been bilingual, okay? And uh, uh, linguists overlook this, and historians overlook this. Uh, hey, wait, why are these people bilingual? Well, it's because there's the same people settling in different areas with different dialects. And these dialects can be so divergent that, for example, here in America, I don't know about Sweden, if I go to the Deep South, I will try to converse with people who are speaking with a really thick Southern drawl, and I can't understand a word they're saying. Literally. I have I, the same issue. I have yeah. the same issue if I go to some part in Sweden. If they do their their real, what do you call it, dialect, they right. can make me not understand it. Because 
And my, me, my the one I have is up here in Stockholm, and they yeah they mark that one as well because um, <laughs> Stockholm. Right. And then you have <laughs> the all different ones. So some yeah. of them I can't understand. So yes, we have the same this difference in the. Mm-hmm. And then I just want to make one comment on that when you spoke about the linguistic or the language, because one of Naftali's, um, one of his what do you say, one of the blessings, one of the that Jacob gave was those godly words. It wasn't that one of his what he said that he should be a. This um, I think that I don't remember uh-huh. exactly the quote for it, but that I and how I believe that is how you see that in it mm-hmm. is uh, our language. Because if you listen to Norwegian, to Swedish, and many people that listen to it sing, well, you mm-hmm. sounds you singing out your language. It sounds so beautiful, okay. and that is something very typical of Swedish and Norwegian. It sounds so happy, and that's okay. what I think in one way how that that prophecy has been fulfilled in it. Right. Very good. Very good. And of course, the Jews don't fulfill any of these prophecies because they weren't scattered by Yahweh. They were scattered by the, by the Romans. Okay. All right. Back to you. Yes. So now let's continue. This is um, uh, one of them in Denmark's best daughter. They say the key was found by one of Denmark's best daughter, Anna Björner, Anna Larsen as she was called previously, was one of the leading actresses in Denmark. She got the best instructions by Hermann Bang and was, for a brief while, engaged to Gustav Weed. However, as the star of Dagmar um, Theatriet, she was converted to Christ, and it did not make sense to the rest of the theoretical world. <laughs> At the okay. peak, of the career. They were heathens yeah, already in those days, huh? <laughs> right? The theater, the theater crowd? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At the peak of the career, she abandoned the theater and was soon married to the um, e, um, yeah, YMCA secretary in um, Ellis Nord, um, Sigurd Björner. Yeah, right. Together, <laughs> um, the Björner couple launched their crusade which was the birth of the Pentecostal movement in Denmark. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not good. So, <laughs> All right. Yeah, but in the story, the thing was who came in the story. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, she she decided uh, whether she realized her Israelite heritage or not, she decided to become a Christian. Okay, very good. Yeah, that is um, a good step from being probably an atheist that believe in the world. You know, the theaters, they are they are not of, of our God in a way. It's about the, that other little G God. Mm-hmm. The little G would... God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Sigurd Björner was the pastor of Emanieleforsamlingen on um, Triangen in Copenhagen, but found the Apost- Apostolic Kirke in Denmark. In 1924, with uh, congregations all over Denmark, their paper, Emanieliebladet, was sold from door to door in large numbers and had an, an easy to understand but straightforward and no compromised gospel. The power of the crusade was great and was warmly welcomed by many uns- unsaved and Christians. Hmm. Okay. The couple. Yes, uh, with the Björner couple's meetings in Apostolisk Kirke, 
were attacked by the oh read here young socialists right have been? attacked by the young soldiers oh why <laughs> would, would they have been influenced by kosher communists okay and wasn't yeah. it also what they referred to as the young turks right yeah in other places yeah the the young this and young that movement that was started by uh the freemasons and the illuminati okay uh, who was the Italian uh, Illuminatus? He ruled, um, oh, I can't think of his name now. But, uh, yeah, th this was the attempt by the Jews to d destroy the emerging Christianity of Europe, you know, in, in the beginning of the 20th century. But this confirms the prophecy that Yahshua made, that you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel until the Son of Man be come. In other words, the evangelization of the true Israel people will not cease, even until the second coming. And we see that is happening. That prophecy is being fulfilled right now by us. Back to you. Yeah, we need to do it because otherwise it will. Be, we need to uh, give um, give the spiritual food to our our uh, our tribesmen, our brothers and sisters. And otherwise, it, we don't want it to be just dark and, and going to darkness. That's why we're right. doing it. We are light to, light to the world. Yes. Yeah. Mazzini. That was uh, Mazzini. Mazzini. Yes. He started all the young Germany, young Turks, young America. He was going all over, you know, infecting our nations with Illumina, Illuminism. Back to you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's continue then. Um, as early as 1923, one could read articles in Emanuelibladet on the subject of the, I would say, okay, she said Jews soon would form a Jewish state in Palestine. Uh, Maybe they are speaking about those, but okay. Yeah, well, he's right about that. Not Israelites, not Judahites, Jews, yeah. <laughs> we have yeah, to make a distinction. Yeah. Okay. Uh, these articles were inspired by the Irish Bible teacher uh, Gratan. Guinness, um, who in 1887, in his Light for the Last Days, wrote that Great Britain would free Jerusalem in 1917 from out of the hands of the uh, Muhammad's Turks. But this is more, I guess, this yeah. um, this has nothing to do with biblical prophecies. This has been, I don't know, Edomite prophecies. Well, yeah, yeah, say, uh, the Israeli state, no, but uh, they... Uh, that Palestine was liberated by the Israelites of Great Britain. Okay, that's what these people don't understand. It was and the British mandate. So the Israelites of Britain actually controlled Palestine until they basically just handed it over to the Jews. Okay, as we so often do, we give everything we have over to the Jews. Okay, back to you. Yeah, and isn't that about the Balfour Declaration? Right, exactly. That is the proof of that. So, yeah. and Guinness saw Great Britain as the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim was the leader tribes among the ten tribes of Israel. And Jacob had prophesied that Ephraim alone would become a multitude of nations in Genesis 48.19, i.e. Mm -hmm. a commonwealth of nations. Yeah, we see that. You have in, in Great Britain, we have you in America, yep. we have New Zealand, we Canada, have a lot of nations. Australia. Australia. Right. Yes. So, how does this so, apply to the Jews? What what Commonwealth um, of Nations have the Jews ever? It, it certainly isn't Palestine or Israel. Yeah. Okay. 
That's that little nation. They are the smallest among, among the nations. Full of trouble. That little nation full of trouble as described in Second Esdras. Yeah, and isn't, didn't also Jesus Christ mention something about that that place as well, I think. Oh, yeah. Be a, oh, abomination yeah. of desolation. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. At the same time, 1887, uh, Gertan Guinness had written that Great Britain Ephraim later would turn over the Holy Land to the Jews, the tribe of Judah. No, we can skip that one. Right. Ju- Judah. Just, yeah. Yeah, somebody needs to write him and correct him on uh, the, the use of terminology here. Okay, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, you're closer to him than I am. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, okay. The, the salvation in the death of Jesus on the cross was the one and central thing in Evangelibladet, and Anna Björner explained this according to the truth of the gospel and without um, bending to the spirit of the day. Right. Um, but it, should, but, but it should be obvious to all these evangelists that the Jewish people have never accepted Christ and even today militate strongly against Christ and Christianity. Uh, if, they were, if they were in fact Israelites, then they would have been converted just like the other tribes, right? That's correct, but they haven't. No, they haven't, and they never will. No, and it's a crime to try to evangelize someone in Israel as well to Christianity, so that's also more proof. That's right. You go to jail, I guess. Yep, yep. Okay, so let's continue. There are so many Christians who cannot see that Jesus is the Redeemer of Israel. In John chapter 11, we read that the high priest and the Pharisees were summoned a meeting to discuss what they shall do about Jesus. Who does so many signs among the people? And if it continues like this, they say the Romans will come and take away both the land and the people. Mm-hmm. But uh, Caiaphas, uh, who was high priest that year, year said, um, you know nothing at all. Not consider that it is um, expedient for us that one should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not okay of course yeah yeah. of course they're speaking of the nation they control even though see the because the romans had given them uh what's the term fife a fiefdom you know a a governorship you know because they were under herod they accepted herod as their governor which the israelites were constantly complaining to the romans he's not one of us get rid of him we want one of our own people ruling over us the pharisees never made such a complaint No, because they were happy. They were fat and happy. They had their their protector. That's right. So, and Caiaphas was one of them, okay? So, uh, again, the the differentiation which this author here, uh, Mikkel, what's his last name? Krog. Mikkel Krog is not up to speed with the distinction between Judeans and Judahites. The Jews definitely fall in the former category. They are not Judah. They are Judeans merely by the fact that they lived in Judea. That's it. That's their only connection to Israel. Back to you. Yeah, same exact uh, today as in our nations. Um, people can say Americans, but do the truly Americans are you, the one that created it? But then they could also refer to Americans that are other of other one. Yeah. Okay. Same here. Very good. Okay, continue. 
And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the, that nation, yeah, the Judites in Palestine, I corrected to, yeah. and not for, the, uh, for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad, the ten tribes of Israel. Yeah. Right, okay. Scattered abroad, here it is. Yeah, here it is. So they knew that all twelve tribes still existed in those days, but what do the Jews teach today? No, they, they got, who knows where they went? They just vanished into thin air, right? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And only we are the one left. Sure. Right. Yeah. Sure. Okay, we know otherwise. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Christendom believes that the, these are the Christians who are spoken of here. But that is obvious that it is impossible. There were not new scattered Christians at that time. So whoever is writing this is absolutely wrong about this. He's absolutely wrong about this. Okay? The Christians... Well, I mean, okay, it's a linguistic uh, issue. They they weren't considered Christians yet because yet because the Messiah had not yet come. So, but there were scattered Israelites at that time. Okay, here again, when uh, when reading about our own history and people who are commenting on it, their terminology is skewed by their inability to perceive that the European Caucasians were in fact Israelites. They're the ones who became Christians. The Jews never did. The house of Judah did. Back to you. Yeah. Uh, it was Israel that Jesus came to. Amen. And the high, Yes, that was he came for. Mm-hmm. And the high priest says, It is better that one man dies for the whole people, but not the whole people should perish. It is a prophecy. He knows not himself what he says. But he proclaims that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, should redeem not only Judah, but also the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Very good. The ten tribes mm-hmm. who were in dispersion. Yes, that's excellent. That's correct. Okay. Yes. It were the children of God who were to be gathered as one nation with Judah. But Judah did not receive him. Only a small band of men from Galilee of the tribe of Benjamin. Right. Well, there were, there were many Judahites who accepted him, but because most of them lived in the city of Jerusalem, which is totally under the control of the Pharisees and Herod, they you know were flummoxed by the teachings of the Pharisees, just as modern Judeo-Christians are utterly deceived by the false priests of Judeo-Christianity. So we have an exact parallel to what happened in those days between the Pharisees and the Judahites and the rest of the tribes. Today, we have an exact parallel with the followers of the modern Pharisees, known as the Judeo-Christian priesthood, leading our people astray again. Back to you. Yeah, they are. Nothing is new on the sun. Mm-hmm. And this was a quote from Anna Björner. Um, yes. Kajpas, Märklingen, Prophetie. Och det är från Emanuelibladet. Organ för den apostoliska kyrka i Danmark. The apostoliska kyrka. Okay. Apostolic church. Kyrka. Same in German. Kyrka. It's pronounced with a ch. A guttural ch. Which is Hebrew. That's where Germanic preserves. The Hebrew ch sound. Kyrka. All right. Germanic preserves that sound. You know, the other languages of Europe don't. Back to you. 
Yes, that is further proof, and they also get school. School is the same. That's the same right. in. Mm-hmm. You see, it, you see it in some English words, but it, not as pronounced in German. Okay, school, <laughs> school is one. Ach du lieber, right? Oh my God, <laughs> right? So again, this just proves that uh, our dialects change from country to country and region to region within those countries. All right. Oh yeah, it does. Yep. Okay, uh, for each year that passes, the articles on the theme that the U- U.S. state in Palestine would become reality became more emphasized. Yeah, I guess, the, I don't know what this stems from, but it sounds like some kind of, uh, yeah. wasn't that also some case, I guess, the, Brit- uh, the British Israel movement, weren't they also very, yeah. um, they also uh, tried right. to push this one forward? Well, it just shows that this group, although well-intentioned, and believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, totally ignoring the fact that the Jews are utter reprobates and critics of Christianity and and blasphemers against Christ. Despite all of that, they still think that the Jews are Israelites. Okay, I mean, this just shows how blinded our people still are today by Jewish propaganda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. No. So in April 1936, Sigurd and Anna Björner left for unclear reasons upon the Stolska Kirke and the Emanuelbladet. And from the one week to the next, even the slightest reference to the existence of the Björner vanished from the pages of Emanuelbladet. Wow. At the same time, all uh, mentioning of Israel and Jews stopped in Emanuelbladet for two years, but then it was uh, diametrically op- opposite explanation explanations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what happened? Uh, were they bribed by the Jews <laughs> to, to preach the Jews are Israel doctrine? Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Right? We, we don't know. Really. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, the Bjorner couple, however, continue undaunted for their own. Sigurd laid great emphasis on the discovery of the tribes in um, Pin, uh, Pinsbevagelsen and sect. That's from 1944. And Anna was translator for the evangelistic meetings of the British Israel Pentecostal preacher George um, Jeffries in Copenhagen and uh, Slagelsen in 1947 wow. Okay, very interesting. So Anna was critical in the development of you know the British Israel doctrine. That's very interesting. Would never have suspected any such thing. Okay, so Pinsebevegels and insect. What does that mean? It's a question mark at the end. Good question. I don't know what that. Oh. What that Pinsebevegelsen. Pin, I don't know what that could be. To be honest, that's okay. Uh, no, that's not Swedish. Uh, no, that's that, Danish. That's Danish. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, the joy of the Björners was great when they, in 1952, got together with the church which they themselves had founded. After one year of illness, Sigurd unfortunately died in 1953. Anna, who was now a widow, was now expressly forbidden by the new leadership of Apostolska Kirke not to mention anything on the tribes wow. of Israel. Wow. Uh, the Jews had to be behind that. Absolutely had to be behind that. Oh, back to you. Yeah, or the return of the Jews onto Palestine. Well, that yeah. they want to proclaim, but they, they just want to yeah. uh, put us in the memory hole. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, and even that, the return of the Jews to Palestine, the Bible doesn't predict that they would return to Palestine. It, it, it says that Jerusalem in those pre- predictive passages is referring to the New Jerusalem, okay, being a reference actually to the people of Israel, not to that town, okay, or to that city, all right? That's, that's something the Judeo-Christians, they lose that. You know, the, the best work on the subject, is Sheldon Emery's The Old Jerusalem is Not the New Jerusalem. Okay? And and then and even Paul says, the uh, where's the kingdom? We are the kingdom. All right? It's not a physical place. The kingdom is in us. Okay? And the Jews don't have any of that. All right? So th- this focus on the literal city of Jerusalem is totally misplaced, misguided by the modern Christians. Back to you. Yeah, I will continue then. When she was speaking at the meeting at this Apum Solska Kirke, Anna said that she felt that they stabbed her in the back when she spoke about those things. Well, the 12 tribes. I mean, that's a verboten topic, (laughs) right? You can't talk about the the fact that 12 tribes still exist. All of them? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah. That is the lost ten tribes of Israel. Yeah, that was her reference. That was the thing that she probably wanted to speak about. Mm-hmm. Yep. But she were they put the ban something upon her mouth. She shouldn't mm-hmm. say anything. Correct. Um, or she would be cast out. Yeah. Nothing is new. As it wasn't the same also in the congregations when when they tried to um, the teachings from that they also did the cast out people that did preach Jesus Christ gospel, but then they'll cast right. out people for that as well? Right. Well, uh, uh, Yahshua said that uh, I, I have another flock which doesn't live here in Judea. Okay, well, who could they be? <laughs> right? That's the ten law, so-called, uh, the dispersed is probably the best, the dispersed tribes of Israel. Okay, the dispersion. In fact, uh, I will look for it, because it uses, the text uses that word dispersion. Okay, let me go and find that from the scriptures. So please continue while I'm looking for that verse. Yes. So according to Johannes Rasmussen, um, eggs, eggs, the parrot, uh, Björnesson, live och virke, page 32, from 1969. Even in her final years, she preserved on her own. And for instance, spoke at Hotel uh, Prinsen in Roskilde. In September 1953, on the subject, the tribes of Israel, she passed away in 1955, two years after her husband. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yes, and the pearl of great uh, price, the tribe of Israel, which Anna Björner had found when she found Christ, was once again covered with soil at her uh, funeral. Let Anna's own words from Emanuel Bollet stand as her memory. Yes, okay. Yeah, uh, in John chapter 7, verse 33, Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me, of course, meaning Yahweh the Father. 734, Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am thither you cannot come. So he's telling these Pharisees that they're not getting into heaven. All right, quote, unquote, heaven. They're not getting into the kingdom. Then, verse 35, 
Then said the Jews, or the, these Judeans, properly translated, these Judeans, these Pharisee Judeans, these Edomite Judeans among themselves, where will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the nations and teach the nations? Okay? He came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the, the translation here is deceptive because instead of nations, which are the Israelites, it puts in their Gentiles, which has falsely been defined as non-Israelites by the theological world and by the Jews. Okay, This is the deceptive language that is employed in translating the New Testament, folks. Okay, But they knew, I mean, it's obvious from the intent of the Pharisees, that well, where will he go? Unto the dispersed? What dispersed? Dispersed Israelites. They're the only people who were dispersed. So you can see right now, uh, but even among the Gentiles, okay, it doesn't say they are Gentiles. It says they're among the Gentiles. We have to make a distinction between the Israelites living in the nations of other people, such as the Greeks, okay, and among the, uh, what do you call it, the Slavs as well, whatever nation we're sent to, the dispersed Israelites within those nations and teach them, okay? So you, you have to really pay attention to the grammar before you can understand the intent. All right, back to you. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. So... Let's see here what she said in her last, this, this from Emanuele Bladet. The ten tribes of Israel, however, did not return from their captivity in Assyria, but trekked north across the Caucasus, around the Black Sea, until they landed in Middle Europe, and finally came to place with which God had given them as a refuge, the Isle, Isles, Isle in the sea, the British Isles from where Ephraim, Israel, at last shall come, where Judah shall come from the four corners of the world. The searches of history tell us that Hebrew memorials, grave tombs, and other things left behind marks that way which they had wandered. Yes. Uh, the gospel of Jesus, which had been rejected by Judah, was there proclaimed for the Gentiles, and among them where the ten tribes of Israel as the lost sheep of the house of, of Israel. Mm -hmm. Here, yes, there it is. Yeah. And today, these lost ten tribes make up the core of the, of the Christian nations of the globe. Amen. Absolutely right. Okay. Yeah, so she got it. Uh, she found out a lot of stuff. She found out, uh, yeah, the pearl, that the Israelites, who they were, and she found yeah. that. And she discovered identity. She discovered identity, but like most of British Israel, not all of them. I mean, there are enlightened British Israelites who know that the Jews are not the tribe of Judah. Okay. So, uh, but the vast majority of British Israel, and because that's what the, their leaders teach them, is that the Jews are Judah. How else could they justify the British Empire handing Judea over to the Jews in modern times? How else could they justify that? 
Okay. I guess they that that um, they probably bought that organization off, and then right. that's how they can make it sound. Uh, yeah, that was I guess right. wasn't that the forebearer maybe of the Judeo yeah. Christians that believe that that's right. that uh, yeah Jews yes. are God chosen. That's, that's right. The startup. Yeah. yeah. So don't say anything about the ten lost tribes. Just talk about Jews, please. <laughs> right. And, and verify their their uh, deceit uh, over the entire planet. Okay. Yeah. All right, but again, you know, this article it, with its defects shows, I mean, tremendous. There's so much proof that the lost tribes are, in fact, Israelites that it's impossible to refute. I mean, this is really good scholarship, except for the fact of the equation of the Jews and the Judahites, okay? That's really the, the only main defect. There's a few minor ones, but that's the main defect, okay? But this is common among, you know, what we would call British Israel. Okay, in their writings. Although I see, because I I subscribe to uh, several British Israel publications, and they're they're not emphasizing the Jews being Judah. It's, I, I hardly see it anymore in their publications. So they're just talking about Israel and uh, you know the Caucasian people being Israel. They have. Uh, given up, or not not totally, but don't emphasize their belief that the Jews are Judah much. I don't see that much anymore in their publications, which is a good thing. Okay. Yeah, or the, they probably heard our criticisms. That, uh, <laughs> that objectives. Right. Was for, was, yeah. yeah. They, they succeed with their objectives. Yep. Okay. Unfortunately. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's. This is then the Gentiles and the heathens in the New Testament, the lost right. ten tribes. Okay, again, Gentile here. Now, this is a major mistake that the false application of the word Gentile to non-Israelites. All right, and this is another major mistake that many Christians make. Even some, even though those of us in identity who don't understand that the word Gentile has no relevance to the Hebrew word goi or the uh, Greek word ethnos. Both those words simply mean nation. Okay? And you cannot insert a word that simply means nation that specifies non-Israelites in place of a word that simply means nation. Okay? For example, Rebecca had two goyim in her womb. Okay? So, one of those goyim was Israel. The other goyim was Edom. All right? So Israel is a goyim, or that which they translate as Gentile. That's ridiculous. Here is a ridiculous, confusing language used by biblical scholars, not knowing what the, these words mean and where they derive from. The word Gentile is a Latin word. It's not a Greek or Hebrew word and should not be substituted for any Greek or Hebrew word. Back to you. Yes, this is, again, yeah, this, uh, that's why we're here yeah. to correct this. And, and I guess also the, the subject about race has been so, yes. uh, yeah, they don't speak about it. That's why they want to make this gymnastic to avoid <laughs> right. Yeah, it's the theological gymnastics, right? Very good. Well, uh, the point is uh, the word ethnos, if you look it up in your strong concordance, is defined as quote race, comma nation, unquote. So why doesn't the Bible ever translate the word as race if the word race is the number one definition? Duh. I won't avoid it. 
That's right. They want to avoid that word at all costs. Back to you. Yeah, because if that then would be true, then you know, then their their dogma about the spiritual is right false. A lot of you born mm. again, all their dogma was right. False apart. False apart. Able. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Uh, all right. We have about nine so, minutes left. Okay. So let's continue. So the one tribe of Judah and Palestine. I skipped that. Yeah. Had a tribe as a tribe rejected the potential king of the Judeans. Of the Jews, it's a, the, the correct yeah. translation. You know that inscription that was on top of uh, the plaque that um, Pilate put up is translated as king of the Jews. That is incorrect. It is precisely king of the Judeans. Okay, but. Yahshua would have rejected that title. In fact, he did reject that title. He went, when, um, when Pilate asked him, are you a Jew? You say I am. Okay, well, well, that's a cryptic response because no, he came for Israel, not for any people called Jews or Judeans, right? The Judahites lived in Judea, but it was under occupational force, namely the Romans and their Agents, the Pharisees. Back to you. Yes. Okay. Um, as the Apostle Paul, who was the tribe of Benjamin, wrote, this is from 1 Thessalonians 2, 14 to 16, uh, the Jews who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles. To, to the nations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To the nations, yeah, that they might be saved to fill up their sins all the way, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. I guess here the word you maybe apply, because yeah, well, yeah, they I mean, killed him. It's a literal translation is the Judeans. The Judeans, which was a polyglot group of people comprised of Edomite Pharisees and a bunch of other Edomites as well, and Judah, many of them being reprobate Judahites. They had to be reprobate to follow the Jews, you know, these uh, Edomite Pharisees. And uh, as we pointed out earlier, they did participate in the execution of Christ, okay? So you have this combination, as we have today, the so-called Judeo-Christians, okay, who believe that the Israeli state is a true Judah. It's, it's an absolute lie, okay? But these people are doing the dirty work for the Jews by uh, elevating them above the rest of Israel, or true Israel, elevating them above true Israel, okay? And th that's what Paul is getting at here. Forbidding us to speak to the Israelites of the dispersion, that they might be saved, to fill up their sin. Yeah, when they're sinning yet today, these Judea Christians. And they think they're going to be raptured. Oh boy. Okay? <laughs> Yeah, that's again one of those uh, Darby Schofields. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> Schofield garbage. <laughs> take out. Yeah, yeah, that, hey, I like that. We could take out the Schofield, please. <laughs> take out the trash. All right. Okay. So, the apostles of womb 11 were of the small tribe of Benjamin, called upon the house of Judah to repent of their sin, that the lost. Ten tribes, the house of Israel, soon could receive the gospel of Jesus. Amen. And this is then, yes. Yeah, and this well is from Acts two thirty-six. Yeah. Now, if we would stick with the word Judah, and not substitute the word Jew for Judah, everything would be much clearer. Okay. Back to you. 
Yeah, it would. It would. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we get so confused. Right. Okay. Therefore, shall all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye, Judah, have crucified, both the Lord and Christ. And, and this, these are the words of Paul. And this was the difference that Paul and Peter had. Paul had to explain to Peter that, you know, which he had in that vision in Acts chapter 10, the vision of, you know, call not my people common or unclean, who have been cleaned by the sacrifice at Calvary. All right? Peter didn't understand that the scattered tribes of Israel were also cleansed of their past sins, just as the house of Judah was. Peter didn't want to accept them as Israelites. So this is the same kind of uh, intertribal uh, pride. Because why? Well, because the house of Judah had been practicing the sacrifices, keeping alive the prophecies that ultimately the Messiah would come and he would be the last sacrifice, and that he was of the house of Judah, right? So Paul's mission was not just to the so-called Gentiles, to the scattered tribes, but also to the Judahites who failed to comprehend, and many of them refused to accept that Yahshua Messiah had come, and all of these sacrificial rituals were done away with at the cross. They didn't want to accept that, because they believed that their keeping of these rituals uh, made them better Israelites, more important Israelites, right, than the scattered sheep, okay? But, uh, but Yahshua clearly says, I have another uh, uh, flock, namely the scattered sheep, that I have to attend to, okay? And these prideful Judahites did not want to accept that. It was their own pride that prevented them from accepting the fact that Yahshua had come for all 12 tribes, not for just those two. Back to you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So, in the Gospel, Jesus let the disciples hear to whom he was sent. But they answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There you go. Then, All right. <laughs> okay. What do these Judahites not understand? <laughs> yeah, they're, stick, they're stiff-necked. Yeah, stiff-necked. Still. <laughs> okay. Yeah, still. After the ascension day and uh, pentecost the apostles obeyed the commandments of the of their lord jesus unto them and yes. went specifically uh, specifically to the lost sheep of the house of israel the missionary journeys that we read of in the acts of the apostles all went in one direction towards europe okay not exactly because peter actually went to mesopotamia okay well where he says asia minor okay uh, i don't think you know, uh, Asia Minor could be considered Europe, okay? Cyprus, mm -hmm. Greece, and Rome, yeah, but not Asia Minor. Back to you. Yeah, so okay. Paul and the other apostles journeyed to Asia Minor, yeah. Cyprus, Greece, and Rome. The epistles in the New Testament are written to the Christian assemblies in Asia Minor, Greece, and Rome. Very good. That yes. is well said. Yes, okay. Yeah, and here is this reference. You have mentioned this, this correspondence between uh, the Greek oh, yeah. and the... And the Spartans. Good. So, the apocryphal book of 1st Maccabees, approximately 100 BC, and Eusephus tell of a correspondence between the king of the Greek city of Sparta and the high priest of the, I guess, 
Judahite. Just substitute Judahite. Yeah, just substitute Judahite for Jew. Yeah, and we'll be yeah, okay. In yeah. Jerusalem. Uh, the Spartans told Radiant with joy that they had found that they were of the same stock as the Judahites. There you go. That's that's plain, so, okay? Because the Judahites were not Edomite Pharisees, right? So this proves that there was correspondence. Now, Sparta, even though it began as a Greek city, was conquered by Israelites at some point in history, and these Spartans were Israelites. Back to you. Of Judah. Yeah. Were, okay. Were they, yeah, with the Judites or Danites? Maybe not Danites. Danites, well, maybe Troy was may, that. Yeah, it may have been a combination of Judah and Dan, okay? Or Judah and Asher. It's any combination thereof. But Judah was the, the primary uh, source there. So Sparta was a Judahite kingdom that they had defeated Greece. And they, Sparta had totally different traditions from the rest of Greece, which points to the fact, yeah, well, they're different people, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I th- uh, we're running out of time. So maybe just go ahead and finish the uh, this next sentence here. Yeah, yeah. So this is First Maccabees twelve twenty on twenty one. Arius, king of the uh, Lacedaemonia. I don't know. Cannot pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, really. Lacedaemonians uh, actually. Lacedaemonians. Okay. Lacedaemonia to Onias the high priest. Greetings. It is found in writings that the Lacedaemonians and Judahites are brethren and that they are of the same stock of Abraham. And the Jews are not because they are Edomites. Okay, folks? Understanding the true history of the migrations and the difference in genetics between Edomite Jews and Caucasian Israelites, if you understand those two things, the Bible will become a brand new book for you. All right. All right, Michael, thank you for uh, this. I think we did a pretty good job explaining, you know, how the, the, you know, the Scandinavians are, in fact, Israelites. We'll do more about this next week, folks. Thanks for listening. Praise the Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Take care, everybody. Goodbye for now. Blessings. Bye-bye. Blessings.